everybody, welcome to the NFC podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host of this podcast and the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. Before I start, I have to note something. Monday, 25th January, 6.30pm, I am hosting a webinar called How to Avoid the Traps that are going to plague us for property investors in 2021. You want to come to that, go to ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash January 2021 to register on this. Come and join. Again, ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash January 2021 to register. I will put the link below as well. Right. I am super excited because I have got someone very, very, very special on the podcast today. You guys are going to get so much out of it. If you haven't already got a pen, a notebook to take notes, you're going to want to go and do that now. I would even just push pause, go find it, come back, push play. So I'm very excited to welcome Ellie McKay on the podcast. Ellie's best known for being a straight talking property investor, entrepreneur and public speaker. From a standing start, she has built a multi-million pound property portfolio within two years. The power of building a personal brand and utilizing social media has enabled Ellie to raise millions of pounds in investor finance and become a well-respected face within the industry. I definitely agree with that. I see Ellie's post all over LinkedIn. I'm always super, super impressed. So Ellie, hi, welcome to my podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. What a lovely introduction. My pleasure. I am so excited to talk to you about everything property investing, everything social media, raising money. Let's just dive straight in. Let's go straight into it. (laughs) So what made you get started in property? Oh, very good question. Um, My husband and I actually first got into property back in 2006. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rather unsuccessfully, it has to be said, we were in our early 20s. We were uh, full of entrepreneurial spirit, um, but truth be told, we didn't really know what we were doing. And it was back in the days, um, I don't know if any of your listeners will remember this far back, but you used to be able to buy a property, refinance it in the same day, pull all your money out, and it was was a pretty good time to, to be in property. So we, we were sort of sold this off-plan development based on doing that. The problem was the development was flooded for a couple of years and it was put back. It wasn't completed until 2010, which was smack bang in the middle of the, the global recession. Now, although we entered the recession in 2008, the prices in the UK didn't actually dip to an all-time low to the end of 2010, start of 2011, which was exactly where we were at. And we found that a property we purchased for like 125 grand was suddenly worth 60. Uh, we, were, we had a massive deficit. We were contractually obliged to complete. It was just a nightmare. Um, we had to raise uh, an additional 40 grand within a few months. It was pretty stressful. So that was our first experience of property. We yeah uh, we still have we still have that apartment in our portfolio and it's it's still in negative equity now, um, but but you live and learn. So so actually we retreated from property completely till till two thousand and eight and um, yeah we we knew some people that had done some property training. We'd always been a bit skeptical about that kind of thing, uh, perhaps a bit cynical. Uh, but somebody that we really respected had been on this training and spoke very highly of it. And we started following a lot of the content from this particular training company. And yeah, we did the training. And, and to be honest, it was quite life-changing. Uh, we, I, I had been made redundant whilst I was on maternity leave. 
And uh, we, we'd literally put every penny we had into this property training and every last bit of our redundancy money. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it. We had we had no savings. Uh, we, we'd been through quite a difficult time financially with our other business. And uh, yeah, so, so it was really interesting. We did the property training and I think we bought two properties within four days, no money down uh, of, of doing the training. And then that's been it really. We've just, I feel like we've, we've kind of found our passion and purpose and we've, we've not stopped moving forward. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So I'm going to ask you now, what do you love about the industry and what do you hate about the industry? What I love about the industry is, it, I suppose you could say for most sectors, it, it's about people. Mm-hmm. Now, for us, it's never been too difficult to source the properties or to find the finance. If you can get the deals, if you control the deals, you control the money. And I, I think what I love about property and the, the mindset and the skills I've developed around business is, up until 2018, I think I used to buy into a lot of the negativity on social media and the mainstream media. Uh, I, I thought that the country was um, fucked, basically, that, you know, we had no money. And then, then suddenly I felt like I was, my eyes were open to a completely different world from quite a a, a place of abundance. And, and really, I, I was shocked at how much money there is out there. Mm-hmm. There's millions and millions of pounds out there people who want to invest in your property deals and um yeah i mean it, it, it was pretty life-changing to be honest with you mm-hmm. so so yeah no, to answer your question a very indirect way what i love about property is that the possibilities are pretty endless and we were just chatting before we went live about uh, different business models and uh, yeah. whether you leverage investor finance and what i love about that is you're just never restricted you know, when, when you master the art of raising finance and being able to network and connect and relationship build with the right people, then it means that you're in a position that you never need to say no to any property deal. And, you know, we, we're in a fortunate position now where we've built our network up to such an extent that somebody could bring me a plot of land or uh, a big portfolio or a big commercial building and providing the numbers stack, the only thing that we need to do our due diligence on is if those numbers stack and providing they stack, we, we, would, we would take as many deals as with us. Good, you know, so so I, th- I suppose the yeah, the, there's just an abundance of opportunity. That's what I love about property. The thing I hate about property, and again, this isn't sector specific, but th- there's a lot of um, there seems to be a disproportionately high amount of bullshitters. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's just my confirmation bias because I'm in the property sector, but uh, you know, social media in particular plays a huge part in what we do. Um, blessed and thankful for for the opportunities that social media has has created for us but um, you really almost have to to play the game and be very selective what you let in and um, look out for those little red flags uh, for for the you know lot of smoke and mirrors that's putting it politely (laughs) oh you said that very tactfully (laughs) (laughs) very impressed (laughs) Ah, um, I agree with you Um, I we were talking about that beforehand. What's true? What's not true? I mean, how how do you figure out what's true and what's not out there? Well, one of the things I do, if I'm being brutally honest, is I don't follow many people. Uh, there's a lot of generic content out there. I'm very selective, and this is something I'm quite vocal about. I'm very selective about what noise I let in because we almost have. So putting social media aside, we're, we're obviously in the middle of a, a global pandemic. It's been a challenging year for a lot of people. And we, we all have an emotional bank account. And we all start off the day with a, a full bank account. And depending on what happens to us or what you know, what external influences or what noise we allow in depends on 
how well we maintain that emotional bank account. And for me, that's when I say be selective on the noise that you let in. I, I want to follow people on social media that are that I can learn from, that are, are further down the path that I want to travel. That doesn't necessarily have to always be uh, business related. You could take inspiration from from different people for different things, whether it be your fitness you're into or or, or anything really. But I, I like to, to see people. I'm quite fascinated by successful people and, and the way that they talk. They have a solution-based mind frame. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're not negative. It's, it's yeah, it's inspirational content. So we don't listen to the mainstream media. Uh, I unfollow the majority of people on my social media, uh, and and I'm very selective who I spend my time with as well. So I, I do a lot of um, what, what we might call paying it forward. I spend a lot of time on Zoom trying to help people, support people. It's not something I monetize. It's something I enjoy doing. But in terms of my own network and where I get my stimulation, that is generally from uh, high achievers, really, uh, because they speak the same language that I speak. And I thrive about uh, thrive uh, the most about being around that kind of energy constantly. Mm-hmm. Which presented as a bit of a challenge, just to go off on a little bit of a, a tangent, but presented as a little bit of a challenge when, you know, we got locked up. <laughs> We're all under house arrest, weren't we, for, oh for several months. But this is why you can build your network in many different ways, like we are doing here with this podcast. You know, you're over in America. I'm in sunny Doncaster. And, uh, you know, I suppose it's been creative. And a word that's certainly been overused in the UK during this pandemic has been pivot. But the reason it's overused is it's quite apt, really. You do have to... If you're someone like me who thrives around being around that kind of energy and you can't leave your house, well, you need to set up a podcast. You need to start building relationships another way. Otherwise, you're going to go absolutely stir crazy. And, and when you do, I find it very interesting to see how different people, and everyone's in different financial situations and things like that with this pandemic. And, and obviously, we're still people have lost loved ones and what have you. H- however, it's been interesting to see the psychology of different people and those people that have chose to. Um, it's almost like the obstacle is the way people, more wealth was created after the Great Depression than any other time. So whilst being sensitive to, to certain people's situations, you need to capitalise on opportunities as and when they arrive, because that's what business owners do. That's what entrepreneurs do. Ultimately, that's what's going to keep our economy you know, propped up. And that's going to be the backbone and, and rebuilding after you know we come out of this big mess. Mm-hmm. I agree. I completely agree. I agree as well with... Um, keeping yourself only focus on what you want to see I I definitely do that and because otherwise you go mad I, I would go mad <laughs> you, the thing that I was just going to say with that as well you, you find yourself comparing yourself to people as well and yeah. Uh, and I think everyone's guilty of it. And we, we, you know, I'm I'm always saying you should focus on your own race and the only one that you're in competition with is yourself. But ultimately, we, we as humans, it is natural to compare. And if you're seeing somebody constantly smashing it and what have you, it can be quite demoralizing, especially when certain people are being disingenuous. And it, it really is the best advice I've ever been given to to focus on myself because there'll always be somebody that's doing more or and that's great and you know be, be pleased with them and be come from a place of an abundant you know mindset because there's there's enough opportunity out there for absolutely everybody but don't let it demoralize you or detract you from your own personal journey I completely agree I completely agree and what you put out or what you would I mean take us to we don't put out the same things we have our own ideas we're coming from similar position 
but your content's very different to my content and that's fabulous you know mm-hmm. there's no real I don't sit there and I look at your content I'm like oh I wish I was putting that out I don't because you know you get to the stage where you're comfortable enough in your own whatever you're doing that you're like well I like what I put out I also like what Ellie puts out I also yeah. like what other people put out you know yeah. and that also takes the angst away from it right because then you're not in competition with anybody else you just absolutely aren't in, in social media should just be an extension of you so mm-hmm. it, ultimately no two people are the same and and I think for me this has been the key to our success on social media it's been authentic it's been uh, coming from a place of truth because you know we, we spoke specifically about the property industry there's a lot of sort of people that are insinuating perhaps that the you know very experienced in the industry when in reality they've, they've not even done a uh, their first house renovation and there's a difference between uh, sorry to repeat what we were discussing before we were online but there's a difference mm. between positioning yourself as an authoritative figure which yeah. I absolutely believe people should do and that's exactly what I did but there's a difference between doing that and, and actually misleading people as well uh, and, and and being quite brutally honest like lying so I, I feel that you pe- people can share value without without lying and and also I found with with social media people don't like to be constantly educated either they like to know people buy from people and I'm, I'm finding that more now than than ever before so like property investors for example are, are 10 a penny on LinkedIn and generally when I get an inquiry now it, it's very interesting I'll, I'll get an inquiry and somebody will generally say Ellie you've been watching you for six months or 12 months sometimes more than that really like your content we need to you know can we set up a call and, and what's interesting about that is always take a minute just to, to look through my social media and see if they've engaged with my content and 99.9 percent of the time they've never done it but yeah. by the time they've reached out for that call it's a foregone conclusion because they want to work with me they want to work with Ellie Mackay they don't just want to work with a property investor they know what I stand for they know my values because you know they're they're sort of laced throughout my content if, if you if, if you follow me and of course that's Marmite and, and I think Another point is you have to, when you put your head above the parapet, you have to be willing to accept that you're not going to appeal to to everyone, and you know you may have a bit of a marmite personality. But you know, I, I often joke about the fact sometimes I drop the f bomb. Well, I mean it's not deliberate. I don't I don't try to overuse it, and it's certainly not something to do is to cause offence. But if that is going to repel someone, then they're not likely to to get on with me on a long-term basis anyway. And that's the kind of relationship we want from our our clients. So by the time that they do reach out, it's pretty much a case of where do I sign now as opposed to a sales call as such to try and, you know, convince them why they should work with us. That is such a good point. You raised something that I don't have on my list of things to ask you. Isn't engagement changing on social media? When you look at your stats, I completely agree with that I've been saying the same as you people may not have engaged at all with anything that I've been doing or and they contact me and they know everything about me and I love that but you don't know where the next person is going to contact you is coming from it reminds me of there's like a picture of uh, somebody like with a, a pick and I think they're they're mining for gold or something and they get right to the end and then they give up and if they just went a few inches more they would have found what what they were searching for it's um I'll need to send you it it's yeah. just a powerful message because I see a lot of people going out all guns blazing with social media and, and getting to a point building up traction 
perhaps not getting the results quickly enough because they're looking for a magic bullet, get rich quick, and then they disappear off the face of the earth. And as somebody who's stayed the distance of being consistent with social media, I think it's such a shame because you you showed such promise. But um, I think, you know, we we do live in a, a culture of entitlement a little bit at the moment and everyone wants everything yesterday. And one of the things that I say to people who who may be wanting to leverage social media, whether it be to build their own personal brand or whether it be to raise investor finance, you have to be consistent and almost treat social. So social media needs to be treated with respect. It needs to be treated with its, as its own entity. It's a whole department. You know, we have our property sourcing. We have our property development. We have our marketing like social media mm-hmm. is marketing if we, if it, you can't raise millions of pounds or, and, and I'll hear people say but I'm too busy for social media I'm like well you're too busy to raise millions of pounds then that's what you're telling me you can't you know you, you can't do both you can't say you're too busy doing real work and then ask me where we're getting millions of pounds from. I was like well why you're doing real work I'm just sat on my laptop raising millions of pounds you know consistently putting in the work day in day out being authentic um, showing up even on the days where you can't be bothered you know and and, and still being present and uh, the compound effect of that lo and behold you know this is the thing it's a compound effect it's not get rich quick there is no magic bullet and, and when people start seeing you doing well for themselves they want you to give them the secret sauce and the secret sauce is you've got to do the fucking work you know that's your mic drop moment belly says nothing else this afternoon you guys have just got the magic gold dust right there. But don't worry, we're going to dig a bit deeper. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, so I come across you from LinkedIn. Also, Laura Muse ma- raves about you. So that's kind of the two, the, the kind of meeting in the middle. So from my point of view, so what I see, LinkedIn seems to be your social media platform of choice. Is that right? Or do you, are you more elsewhere? It's changed. So yes, historically, you're right. My experience is, so so you mentioned Laura, who's a good friend of mine. Now, Laura, last year, it was quite interesting. She raised £4 million through Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I raised £4 million through LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And it was just really interesting because Laura was saying to me, I just can't can't get my my strategy to work on LinkedIn. I'm kind of going... I'm just not getting anywhere near your attraction on Facebook, you know, and I think certain there's certainly different styles for different platforms. So my my personal experience has been uh, on Facebook, you get people approaching you who want you to source some one off market property. Well, we, we don't do that. Like that's not really, if I'm being, I don't mean to, to sound arrogant, but that's not the level we're playing at. Or you might want somebody to come in and do a 50-50 joint venture with you. Whereas re, we're looking for high net worth, we're looking to build big portfolios or mm. we're looking return clients so we can use that money with autonomy so my my personal experience has been the money's been on LinkedIn but our, my kind of objective if you like with social media has changed over the last two and a half years because when we started doing it or a little bit more than that now when we started doing it our sole focus of building the brand was to raise investor finance for the funds whereas now my sort of passion and purpose uh if you like is is a lot bigger than that and it's it's more around the personal brand stuff. I'm finding the thing I get the most satisfaction and fulfillment from is helping other people, um, inspiring them, influencing them in some way to to achieve their goals and 
share some of my vulnerabilities and things that we have overcome just to sort of illustrate that, you know, it, it can be done and, and not do it from a place of it can be done and now I want your money from a course. Not that there's anything wrong with monetizing a product or service, but just coming at it from a place of authenticity to, to share my truth, to, to help people. So for, since I sort of changed strategies, this is what's quite ironic. I'm, I've been asked to, to be on all sorts of podcasts. I've now I'm um, just about to launch my own. I've just had Ricky Hatton, world um, champion boxer, and I've got Gerald Dratner, I've had Rob Moore, I've got uh, Nick James, got Stephen Green, just got so many amazing people. And for me, my focus now is around networking, it's around relationship building, uh, it's about getting my reach out to as many people as possible. Because if it's like that whole thing, and this doesn't matter what angle. You're coming at the social media from whether it's personal brand finance what have you because it's the same principle it's that not it's not what you know it's not who you know it's who knows you because the stark reality is if people don't know who you are then they can't do business with you or you can't inspire them you can't help them whatever your angle may be they still need to know who you are mm-hmm. so in some days I can't be bothered with the personal brand stuff at all but I know that my bigger purpose in life is to get my face in front of as many people as possible. So, yeah, you, you, you keep going on the days where you don't want to. Yeah, that's that's so true. And and content doesn't even have to be that exciting sometimes because we don't... I don't know any property investor or anybody in property who every single waking hour of their day is in doing property stuff, right? I don't... You're so true, you know. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, take today, for example, I've worked on my business. I have development going on. I've not even thought about it. I've <laughs> just not, like, not been there, not seen it, not done anything. Because we don't do that as property investors, right? That's not, like, the whole... I, 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 you know, it's very interesting you say this because it's not... When you start to build a business, it's not about being hands-on. I suppose what excites me a lot more than property, because we've got three businesses, it's... Scaling businesses and strategies, things like that, and and that all comes from building infrastructures, building systems, mm-hmm. building systemizing job roles, having something that's scalable, being able to to almost create a business in a box model that can run without you. So we have like project managers delivering our, our stuff that we, you know the, the tradespeople mm-hmm. are there. We're building our marketing department. We've got office staff, and and, and the reason that that's so important is because I see so many people getting stuck working in their business as opposed to on it. And it's hard and it takes transition. And we, we are we are still, you basically got your £10 an hour jobs, your £100 an hour jobs and your £1,000 an hour jobs. And, and as directors, you shouldn't be doing anything in simplistic terms. It's less than your £1,000 an hour job. So for me, success is a lot more, it's a lot less about money in the bank. But every time we get offload a £100 an hour task onto a member of staff, and, and it gives us more time to focus on the strategy than mm-hmm. growth thousand pound an hour tasks then that is success because once we've got rid of those last few and we're just about to employ an ops manager which will be help us evolve further then then that's where the excitement comes because uh, you know if you've got love for diy and things and you want to do it as a labor of love then absolutely do that but that, that's not a business that's that's a hobby and that's fine and, or, or you can do a couple of renovations a year and make good money it could be a lifestyle business but but we're not looking to do that we're looking to build you know big eight nine figure business really in, in, in all of our businesses and 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 have something that's um pretty exciting and I don't I don't get excited by small goals 
I completely agree with that completely it's about you know and so then when people are worrying about content and you're like I haven't been out on site today I haven't taken a picture of my property I haven't done this I haven't done that what would you say to that I just don't really resonate with that to be honest because it, it's just small-minded thinking mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> I'm just I'm just being completely brutal that, that that if that's how you're thinking you're not gonna you're not working towards a seven-figure business it's as simple as that you know I sort of confided in you I've started doing a few uh, video walkarounds with my husband on, on some of our projects which is purely for social media because I don't go to those projects unless I'm going to, to do a video and up until 2020 I'd never visited one of our projects not one of them because that wasn't my remit and and you know, don't mind admitting this year with the global pandemic, it's been a bit more challenging raising investor finance. So we've had to just work a little bit harder. We've still raised the same amount as we did last year. We've had to put a bit more effort in, do some videos, showcase what we're doing more, you know, sort of open our reach to a wider audience to get the same results, which is fine. We'll just have to hustle a little bit, which has been quite exciting. But if it weren't for that, you know, uh, it's Steve Jobs wasn't there in the front line making iPads and stuff, you know? The, 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 the key to business, uh, or certainly my experience to date, because obviously we're, we're, we're reasonably new to business, but it, it's about employing the right people mm-hmm. and putting the right jobs and having people who's, uh, you know, cleverer people than you in all of those roles. Uh, because I, I'm very good at identifying where the gaps are, but there, there's a misconception that you need to uh, know all aspects of the job before you outsource it. Well, I, I would completely dispute that. You just, if, if you want to do that, then you're just going to take 10 times as long to scale your business as I am to scale mine, because I'm just going to keep getting the right team in. And if we make mistakes and we have to, you know, you've got a bit of a, you know, it's a skill getting the right people for sure, but that's a skill getting the right people, not learning all the different jobs. Mm-hmm. Not not learning, you know, I, mean, I hear people running like mid-six-figure businesses talking to me about how to source cheaper plaster from this place and that place. I'm like, you spend half a day doing that, you save 200 quid. Like, for me, that's just not not sensible. Like, you, you know, I, I suppose it's how, how much you value your own time. Mm-hmm. I agree. I completely agree with that. So... Are you now using other social media platforms that are? Oh, sorry, sorry. It's like then it was six. I did this, and then it was seven. Um, yeah, I do go off on tangents. So, so Facebook. I'm having quite a bit of fun with Facebook at the moment. My reaches went up quite a bit on Facebook. Uh, so that's exciting, and I'm getting a lot more opportunities with the personal brand stuff. So, mm-hmm. so that's why. That's why, although I've not found it as useful for raising investor finance, that's not really my primary focus. So, so Facebook's fun. I'm just about to launch my podcast, the On a Mission podcast, which is where I um, interview people of influence, like some of the great names I was telling you about, Ricky Hatton and such like, and Neville Wright, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so many like people that, that know what it takes to get their, to the top of their profession. So that's exciting. Um, I've launched my YouTube channel. I'm going to be um, spending a bit more time developing that. So that, that's got kind of a hybrid of property content, personal development mm-hmm. content, that sort of thing. So I, I use Instagram, but I've not really sussed it out, if I'm being truthfully honest. So it's so really Facebook, YouTube and, and LinkedIn and, and the podcast. What benefits does being on social media have for property investors? If someone's sitting there and they're thinking right now, I'm not really sold. Why do you think that they should take it up and how and why should they use it? It just depends how much they want to scale their business because if if you 
don't want you, you know as again just as we were discussing but you, if you're just using your own money you can only scale at a certain rate which uh, this was this was our, our primary business and um we didn't want to be waiting to refinance properties to move on to the next. We wanted to be going boom, 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 boom. So, yeah, if you want an infinite amount of investment, then, I mean, it's up to you. If you don't want an infinite amount of investment, don't don't play the social media game. If you want to access millions of pounds of finance, play the social media game. If you want a personal brand, if you want to help, if you want to influence, if you want to inspire, if you want people to know your name, then you need a, a social media brand. If you want people to know who you are in order to do business with you, you need social media. I mean, I could go to a property event and speak to 50, well, pre-COVID, speak to 50 people, speak to 100 people in a room. Or I could, you know, I, I could put a, a, a post out on LinkedIn that's reaching 100,000 people. Like all my videos will get thousands of views. You know, it's for thousands of people to see your content. It, it's like a one-to-many as opposed to see a lot of people driving around. And, and I've done it myself, don't get me wrong, you know. Funnily enough, Laura and I were, we were chatting about this not so long ago when you're, you're driving from here, there and everywhere to go and talk to a room of 30 people and you think, I'm not even selling anything. Like This is a this is a lot of effort just to build my personal brand. And, and actually, I think, although I, I built a, a pretty impressive personal brand on LinkedIn, I, I feel like the pandemic's really helped me level up even more so than that. And uh, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity out there because people are working from home more. Uh, There's a lot of people still on furlough. A lot of people have been made redundant. So so there's a, like like we were saying before, yes, it's it's challenging times, but the opportunities out there are are absolutely limitless. I agree. I completely agree with that. Question for you then. Do you plan out your content in advance? How are you scheduling? Well, I meant to. Um, yes, <laughs> I, I, I'm off. I'm off track at the moment. Some of the property stuff, yeah, I've got. Um, I've, I've got a, a marketing assistant who's. We've got videos edited from from podcasts and things like that. We have the text done, and we've got a bank of stuff that we can put out. Same with them because we've got so many projects on the go. We, we can kind of always do a. You know, we can do an update on two or three of them every single week and just keep rotating it, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, yeah, we can do that. But so, there's sometimes I do feel like it's best to, I'm kind of into energy and law of attraction. And I find that the posts I do there and then, that they're in my head, it doesn't make any sense other than energy. That's all I can think of. That when I do them there and then, they always tend to get better um, reach than when I, I uh, pre-schedule them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I completely understand that. I tend to... I tend to pre I'm quite an organized I like to organize everything so I go to my team show me what we're putting out this week what is our plan like what's going on I have to be very organized because otherwise I can't think about things but it goes to show that things do just come to you and you can post it there's no one sat there at the end of your phone saying no don't post that yeah <laughs> I think sometimes people would wish I'd not posted some of the things possibly like oh my god what have you put that out for that is so controversial what about what are you talking about? It's funny, the most controversial posts always bring in the most money as well. And they get the people, the people where the posts where people are like, I can't believe you've said that, or I don't agree with you, are the posts that get the most reach and the no. most people DMing you. That's yeah, what you need. Sure. Um, and then that moves on to what would you say to someone who's afraid to post because they feel it will look awful or they'll be judged harshly? How do you cope with that? I, I I think it's just 
a, a process everyone has to go through. Again, there, there is no kind of magic bullet to it because the reason I share my backstory, um, not on this podcast, but if you follow any of my content, it's kind of laced throughout my content. I refer to the fact that two and a half, three years ago, I was struggling quite badly with postnatal depression. I had issues with depression, anxiety, uh, self-confidence, and it was a very challenging time. So the thought of posting on social media was, you know, couldn't it be more of a comfort zone stretcher? And a story that really resonates with me, it was something one of my mentors told me, it was um, a guy called Darren Hardy, who's the editor, really was the editor of Success magazine. And he actually uh, went to his mentor at the time, a guy called Jim Lewin, with 40 pages, double-sided, of a, a list of his perfect women, all the attributes, culture, skin tone, absolutely everything, family values. And he said to Jim, what do I need to do to get a woman like this in my life? And, and Jim looked at him and said, no, darling, you're asking the wrong question. The question is, who do you need to become to be worthy of attracting a woman like that into your life? And that, that kind of resonated with me with the social media stuff. I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, well, am I the sort of person I would want to do business with? And I looked in that accountability mirror and the answer was no. So I got to work on, on myself. And I'm a great believer that your business can only grow at the same extent that you do, which is what you do, which is why I'm so heavily involved with personal development to this day. So so yeah, and, and, and like I said before, rolling up your sleeves and doing the work. And we all have to, especially at the start of a business, we all have to do things that we don't particularly like. And you just have to suck it up and put your big boy pants on and your big girl pants on and consistently show up every single day. And it, it's a little bit frustrating sometimes because I, I really do think that when people ask me this question, like, they just they, they want me to give them like a five-step process to becoming a millionaire or something. It's like, you're not going to like the answer here. You've got to do the work and you've got to test and measure what works, what's resonating with people. You need to treat it like a completely, you know, like its own entity, like I said before, treat it like a job, have a look, study the platform, see what's working, see what's trending, what what's um on, you know, on, on in vogue or whatever at that particular moment. And um yeah, just, just becoming world-class at it. It's just another skill. Mark, one of my mentors says something, and, and this is true of any sector, you're a marketer first. And when people get that, when people get that penny drop moment that you're a marketer first, then that's when that's when you really start launching between the six-figure mark and the seven-figure mark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a really good piece of advice. Um, how? So what do you do to grow your network to grow your contacts, do you target specific areas of social media or are you just putting it out and hope for shares? Yeah, I, I don't add anyone. I've not added anyone for a long time. I mean, to start with, uh, my, my avatar was um, investors. So you're looking for people that would typically have probably early on anything from 50 grand upwards. So with LinkedIn, you can target your solicitors, your barristers, your Mm-hmm. See your whatever your CEOs, your you can your bankers. You, so it, it's great to kind of reverse engineer who your content's going out to. But then I think after a while, it's better to just just to let it grow organically. In terms of the relationships, I think the relationship building is probably one of my my biggest skills. It, it's getting around the right people, and for me, 
And I've already shared we use the last of our money on property on our property training. So, so we weren't coming at this from a place of financial security, but we realized quite early on if we wanted to get the money, we had to be around the money. So if we were going to have personal development, then like um, I went to Robert Kiyosaki, mm-hmm. uh, Rich Dad, front row ticket. It's a, I can't remember how much they cost, but you know they, they vary from like a hundred quid up to a grand or two grand or three grand or whatever to sit at the front. And from the start, we just paid to get the front row seats. You get the meals, you get the, the separate entrance, you get your canopies and bubbly and stuff like that and I think I think I picked up I can't remember if it was two or three investors just from that one event and that's not pitching people that is just conversational talking oh what do you do you know so I think oh right okay oh I've been thinking of getting into property because the majority of people have been thinking of getting into property so you just want to be the person that people when they think property think oh Ellie McKay she's always popping up on my LinkedIn send her a message I, I want to be the go-to girl for property investing and that's the same whether it's in person or whether it's online. So so I think getting around the money rather than some of the low level, and I really don't mean this disrespectfully, but the lower level networking events that tend to have your sole traders and, you know, that, which is a completely fine. But typically speaking, you're not going to find people that have got a net worth of X amount going mm-hmm. in, in those um types of events it's just a bag also getting opportunities to speak in front of the rooms and position yourself as an authoritative figure that that helps to attract the right people in your life like you're doing just now with the podcast that's why I've launched my podcast that's why so I can contact people like Ricky Hatton and Neville Wright and Rob Moore and people that I want to chat with and, and get to know better and then we take the friend you know take the friendships um you know we take, take them offline and like I've been around in Neville's house for a cup of coffee and things like it's just crazy. It's just crazy how networking works when you're authentically getting around the right people and building key relationships and not being a busy fool. I've always just known who to go to and who not to. Mm-hmm. I get that. I get that. Do you think that's so based upon that, there is still a place for in-person networking then? Yeah. Oh, for sure. You can't you can't beat the energy of in-person events. I just think the, the busier you get, the more selective you've got to be with your time and, and things like that. But I absolutely love, well, I say I love, I've got a love-hate relationship with public speaking. Uh, I I still get really nervous, but there's no greater feeling than getting, you know, seeing people's faces. Like I, I was speaking at an event, actually, I think, you know, um, Danielle, I was speaking at one of her events mm-hmm. uh, last, last night online and it was great atmosphere and there was loads of boxes everywhere and that it was really cool, but there's there's nothing better after an event people coming up and seeing that they've been touched by something you've said or they've found uh, a golden nugget in there that was really mm-hmm. going to help this or they've taken some sort of inspiration for it it kind of makes you because I don't talk about property I talk about mindset I talk about the journey I talk about uh, how to leverage social media I don't tend to talk about the, the the property deals themselves because actually I don't have that much to do with that side of the business mm-hmm. that's fair that's completely fair Okay, I think we've got time for one more question. So what do you hope 2021 has in store for you? Oh, well, it's quite exciting. We've got financial targets. Uh, We've just launched a a new business in July. We're hoping to get that over seven figures in its first year, which would be fantastic if we can do that. Uh, But we're we're looking to aggressively keep adding to our own portfolio and start getting um, involved in bigger developments. So commercial to residential, new build developments. Uh, And we'll still do our single lets and our HMOs and, you know, our, our apartment conversions and things like that. But we're just looking to operate on a on a bigger scale and and really most of the goals that excite me are more around 
personal goals. It's, it's about connecting with the right people. I'm so excited at some of the guests I've got lined up for my podcast and to build on those relationships. And my, my sort of um, biggest focus for 2021 is going to be trying to build my own uh, mental endurance and work on my mindset and try to develop skills that will help me evolve in all areas of life, not just business. Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. I'm sure that you'll be a massive success, even more so in 2021. You've <laughs> got that. You have that energy. I know it for sure. Ellie, I, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on my podcast today. I really, really, really appreciate it. Oh, it's been amazing. I could chat to you all night. It's been fantastic. <laughs> thank you. And thank you to everybody who's listening. If you have liked this podcast, please make sure that you give it a review because that helps so many other people find it and share it on social media. Tag me at Natasha C. Collins. Tag Ellie in it as well. I'm going to put all of Ellie's links to her social media below so that you can click on that, add Ellie as a friend or a connection, depending on where you're finding her, um, and then tag Ellie in this too so that we can see that you have been listening. Thank you for listening today. I cannot wait to catch up with you all soon. Bye.